Hello, everyone. My name is Joe, and forgive me for interrupting this great episode of Forensic Miles, but I wanted to just let you all know that I have a brand new true crime podcast of my own called Still Unknown, an unsolved true crime podcast. Each week, I will dive into a new unsolved murder or missing persons case, and who knows, maybe even a paranormal story every now and then. You can subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you are listening to this podcast here. You can also follow the podcast's Instagram page at Still Unknown Podcast. Episode 1 will be out on January 1st, so subscribe now to hear it when it debuts. Thank you, and now back to this episode of Forensic Miles. My name is Miles. Hey guys, it's Sean. And today we have a very, very, very interesting and possibly long episode. Um, we're going to be covering the forensic file case Invisible Intruder, which is the Darley Rotier story. Sean, have you heard this story? Do you know anything about this story? I do not remember this one. I was probably already passed out when this was running in the background. <laughs> we do fall asleep to this all the time, so that makes sense. But Tell me when you start to recognize it, because if you don't, I would really like to know what you think at the end of this story. On January 4th, 1970, in Altoona, Pennsylvania, Darlie Lynn Peck Routier was born. Her mother's name was also Darlie, and she had a sister named Danielle Fugate. So already we're getting a lot of names that start with D in this episode. Might get a little bit mixed up. (laughs) Yes. When she was a teenager, Darlie, her mother, and her stepfather, Robbie Key, moved to Lubbock, Texas. In Lubbock, Darlie and her mother both worked at a restaurant named Western Sizzlin', and this is where she would soon meet her husband. In 1985, when Darlie was only 15, she met Darren, who was 17 at the time, and they both worked at this Western Sizzlin' restaurant. Only three years later, in 1988, the two were married the same year that Darlie graduated from high school. So really, they met when they were really young, and they got married when they were really young. At this time, Darren had started a really successful business. Now, I don't really remember exactly what he does, but it had something to do with computers. And at that time, that was, you know, just the beginning of this whole computer Blown up. Exactly. Um, so he was really successful. And Darren and Darlie lived a lavish lifestyle. They purchased a new home in an affluent Dallas suburb. Darren spent thousands on renovations. He bought a Jaguar and a boat. Darlie got a boob job and spent tons of money on expensive jewelry. So they were really, you know, living the good life. They had this lifestyle that was very comfortable. They were getting everything that they wanted. Um, At such a young age. And it, yeah, they were very young. Um, So they were doing very well. In 1989, Darlie gave birth to their first son, Devin Rush Routier. 
Two years later, in 1991, they had their second son, Damon Christian Routier. And in 1995, they had their third and last son, Drake. The Routiers were described as a picture-perfect family. Darley would bake cookies for the neighborhood children, and the family even assisted a cancer patient um, and helped them pay their mortgage. So from the outside, they looked like the perfect American family. However, everything wasn't quite as it seemed. Never is. Although none of their friends knew it at the time, the Routiers were living well beyond their means. Darren's business began to have troubles. They were $10,000 behind with their mortgage payment, back taxes, and owed $12,000 on their credit card. So the life that they had been living was quickly coming to an end. I mean, three kids, gotta be expensive. Yeah, exactly. And maybe they just weren't spending the money on what they needed to spend it on if they were going out and buying boats and Jaguars and spending all this money on the renovations of the house and not paying for the house. They were struggling and it really came out in their marriage and on their mental health. Darlene contemplated suicide, even going as far as to write her children a note in her diary asking for forgiveness and for them to not feel responsible for her death. Her mental state was obviously and understandably in disarray. You know, her whole life as she had known it was completely falling apart. Yeah, it's got to be tough. There, She's going to be now experiencing a whole new reality. And this brings us to the fateful night. On June 6th, 1996, Darley and two of her sons, Devin and Damon, slept in the living room on the ground floor of their home. So Darley slept on the couch and the two boys fell asleep watching TV on the ground. Darren and their third son, Drake, slept upstairs in the home. At 2.31 a.m., 911 received a frantic call from Darley. Darley said that an intruder had broken into her home and, quote, stabbed me and my kids. In the six-minute call, Darley said over and over that her babies were dying. She said that they had been stabbed by a knife and that she had already touched the knife. There's a point in the 911 call, too, where it seems like Darren comes downstairs into the room and Darley explains what's going on. When Officer David Waddle arrived at the scene, he stopped Darren at the door. He asked who he was and what he was doing. Darren told him he was attempting to contact a neighbor who was a nurse and could possibly help his sons. And this is kind of where I'm starting to get a couple different accounts. And I'm not sure that this all happened on the night or if it happened days after, but this is kind of what my research has shown. During the episode on Forensic Files, one account of Darren's first words to investigators was, have you seen Darlie? Isn't she gorgeous? Doesn't she have gorgeous breasts? Which seems like... That's what he said to the first responders? Yeah. It seems like a very weird thing for him to say. A weird time. Yep. (laughs) He also said that he could understand why somebody had broken into the house because of how beautiful Darlie was. So he thought that it would be likely that somebody would break in because his wife was beautiful. Somebody somebody was like stalking her. Exactly. And apparently all of this, he said all of this before he even knew if Darlie would survive. So Darlie was also attacked and we'll talk a little bit more about that, but she was in critical, in a critical situation and he was saying this. 
That's crazy. Just and and obviously we don't know how we would react in a situation like this, but I would feel like that would be the last thing that would come out of my mouth. I don't know though. When Officer Waddle entered the room, he saw Devin had already died, but Damon was hanging on for life. When Darren returned, he was instructed to perform CPR in an attempt to save Damon. However, Damon later died in the ambulance. So this is something that I find really confusing. First of all, why would they ask Darren to do CPR on his own son? No. Was he CPR certified? or I don't know. But I'm CPR certified, and I know what to do. But there is a police officer in the home. Why wouldn't the police officer have done the CPR on the child. Yeah, I don't know. So that's, I don't know, that's one thing that just popped out to me. Darley was extremely injured, as I mentioned before. She had a gaping cut on her neck and a slice on her arm. She told Officer Waddle that she had been, that she had touched the knife and that she had touched the knife that was used to kill her children. And she said she worried that she had put her fingerprints on it and even commented to the 911 operator a couple minutes earlier that if she hadn't touched the knife, maybe they could have found the killer's prints. The knife turned out to be owned by the Routier family and had been taken from the kitchen, which is not a rare occurrence. I don't think I think. Yeah. People sometimes do that, go, and they just find the first weapon on hand. Um, But it is kind of odd that she would have said that she worried that her fingerprints were on it. I mean, I probably would, but that's because I watch true crime documentaries constantly. I wouldn't have touched it. You wouldn't say that, though. Like, if it was on there, you wouldn't feel, you wouldn't, if if you didn't have anything to hide, you wouldn't say that. And I think. You're you're in the house. Exactly. Obviously, your fingers are, fingerprints are going to be on there. Yeah. And I think I would have been more worried about my kids dying. At, yeah, at that point anyway. But like I said before, we don't know how we would act if we were in this situation. So can't really say anything about it. During his initial search, Darley also asked Officer Waddle if he had noticed any of her jewelry missing. He said that he didn't notice anything, and in fact, Darley had tons of expensive jewelry laying around and nothing was stolen. So so this led investigators to believe that the motive was not robbery and possibly just to kill the kids or to kill somebody. And in a quote from Darren, which I don't think happened on the night, but uh, possibly a couple days later, he said, Now we know that this is a sick individual that took absolutely nothing from our house, but he took the two most important things that were so important to us. So they were just really confused why somebody would have broken in and killed the kids. Yeah. And not taken anything. Yeah. Yeah. One of the main things that the forensic investigators focused on was the blood. If you've seen this episode of Forensic Files, do you remember it yet? Is it jogging your memory? Not really, to be honest. Okay, well, that's good. I really must have been passed out. (laughs) Well, in the episode, they show all of the photographs from the crime scene, and this crime scene is so bloody. There is blood all over the floor, all over the counters, all over the sink. It's everywhere. Footsteps, drops, everything. And it, you know, the crime scene definitely focuses in this family room and the kitchen, which is attached to the family room. 
Um, and I'll have some of these pictures on the blog, um, but there are a couple good documentaries that you can look into um, to really see it better. Another important piece of evidence was a sock that was found. Now, this sock was one of the boys' socks, and it had both of the boys' blood on it, and it was found 75 yards away from the house. Just one sock? Just one sock with the boys' blood 75 yards from the house. At this time, investigators believed that the intruder had come in through a window, which had the screen cut it. Cut, it had like a slice through the screen. And he killed the children and attacked Darley. So that this window that he supposedly came through was somewhere near the garage. He had to go through the garage to get into the living room where the children and Darley were asleep. <laughs> Darley noted that she was asleep when her children had been killed and only awoke when she felt a knife to her throat. Ding, ding, ding. Something's weird about that. But there is also a different version of this, which was a written statement given to police by Darley a few days after the murder, where Darley said that she had woken up to her son's yelling, Mommy. She saw an intruder and followed him into the garage, and it wasn't until that point that she realized she was hurt. So there are these two versions. The first version was given by Forensic Files, and the second one I found in an article. Um, So it's kind of difficult to know what the truth was, but I really doubt that she would have been able to stay sleeping through an attack of her children. Yeah. I mean, those are pretty important details to have not, like, corroborated together. Mm Mm-hmm. Exactly. Once paramedics arrived, Darley was brought to the Baylor University Medical Center to have her injuries looked at. She went into surgery for the neck or the cut on her neck, um, and the doctor said that it missed her carotid artery by only two centimeters. Wow. So she was really lucky to have survived. Um, another thing that the hospital staff noticed was that Darley was not wearing underwear. And they asked her if she thought something might have happened. And Darley said that she had, quote, felt pressure down there. Um, However, when a rape test was um, conducted, it came back negative. Darley thought that the man who had broken into the house and murdered her two children and attacked her was a tall white man wearing a black shirt and a baseball cap. Seems pretty generic. Yeah, it does. But if you were breaking into somebody's house, what would you wear? Exactly that. Yeah, not like a neon shirt and some baggy pants or something. And this is where things start to get really weird. On June 14th, eight days after the break-in and murder, an infamous video is released. Now, you are going to recognize the case now, I think. Darley and her family are seen surrounding Devin's grave, singing happy birthday and spraying silly string all over the grave. Darley is seen smiling and the whole family is overall seems in happy spirits. The footage was filmed and shown on the news. The video was a turning point for this case. And there are a couple different accounts, but there is one account from the family that says that there was a solemn and sincere celebration of Damon and Devin's lives before this singing happy birthday. Um, however, the news did not catch this on film. So I'm not sure 
But this video was huge evidence in this case. And suddenly, Darlie went from being a victim of a horrible crime and a grieving mother to a woman that the public was questioning. Did the murders really happen the way that she had told police? Was she even a victim? You still don't recognize it? I still don't. Oh my gosh. So investigators started to look a little bit deeper into the evidence um, and found that things were just not really adding up. The knife was owned by the family. It came from the kitchen. That's not super abnormal, not super unheard of. Yeah, no, no flags raised on that one. But then flags do start to get raised. Tracking dogs were able to track the quote-unquote intruder to where the sock was found, 75 yards away from the house, but they weren't able to track an intruder anywhere past that. Like, the, the intruder completely disappears past that point of where the sock is found. Hmm. Odd. The sock in itself is sort of weird. Why would an intruder have taken a sock with him but left the murder weapon behind? The sock is definitely, you know, an interesting piece of evidence, but like, I don't know, could it have stuck to his clothing? Could it have? Seems like a a weird token. A very weird token. (laughs) Darlie had mentioned that she had chased the intruder in the kitchen. And as she was chasing them, a glass, you know, like a wine glass had shattered on the floor. However, investigators noticed that she didn't have any cuts on her feet, so she must have run through the kitchen before the glass broke, which doesn't really make any sense. Why would she have been running through the kitchen if the intruder wasn't there? Yeah. Darlie had also said that the intruder had dropped the knife on on the kitchen floor, and, and she said she had picked it up and put it on the counter. However, there was absolutely no evidence anywhere that the knife had fallen on the kitchen floor. So the knife was covered in blood. If it had fallen on the kitchen floor, there would have been a mark on the floor of a knife falling. But there was no evidence at all that a knife had had fallen on the kitchen floor. So why would Darlie have said that it did and she picked it up from the kitchen floor if it was never there? They did, however, find a perfect impression of the knife somewhere in the house. And it was in the living room, in the carpet. There was a perfect outline of the knife. Bloody or? It was bloody. And it seems like the only way that they would have been able to have this bloody imprint the way it had been is if somebody had been holding the knife and blood had gone directly 90 degree angle from that person's arm down the knife and like kind of stuck to the like the tip of the knife. If you go onto our blog, I'll post a picture of this so that you'll be able to see it. So the person that was holding the knife had to have been bleeding in order for that blood to go down their arm 90 degree angle onto the knife. Oh, yeah. The interesting thing, though, is that there are only two people's blood on that knife. And the blood is Darlie and Devin's. Nobody else's. What about what about Damon's? Nope. More and more questions. 
So was he stabbed by a different knife? Well, we'll get there. As they continued their investigation, they found out that somebody had cleaned up at the sink, and there was blood on the cabinet and on the floor underneath the sink. And this blood was from guess who? Gotta be Darley. Darley. So investigators believe that Darley stood over the sink, and this is where she cut herself. They believe that she cut her neck, and she also cut her arm, and I believe that there was another another wound um, like somewhere on her shoulder. Um, and the reason they believe this, other than the fact that it's you know her blood, is that the drops are from a 90-degree angle. So it came from somebody who was standing straight up. Not like struggling or anything. Not struggling, not moving. She was standing straight up. Another little interesting tidbit is the fiberglass rods. So I don't really understand the technology of making window screens, but they are made out of fiberglass rods. So what they found was these fiberglass rods on a knife in the Routier's kitchen, not the murder knife, but a different knife. It was actually a bread knife with the fiberglass rods matching the window screens, fiberglass rods. So, and the knife was put back where it was like supposed to be in like a knife block. So an intruder, if there is an intruder or was an intruder, would have had to go into the house, pull out the knife, cut the fiberglass um, window screen, then go back into the house, put the knife back, and then get another knife, which they would have used to murder and injure the family. Wait, why? I'm confused. How? So the point is, is that there the is no intruder. He came in through a through a window through the through the window screen, and then through the garage. Trying to make it look like yes, but the point is, is that no intruder would have broken into the house, gotten a knife, gone back out of the house, you yeah, know, yeah, made yeah, this, yeah. and then gone back in. They started to do an analysis on the 911 call, and they noticed that it seemed like Darley was frantically running around the house. Um, And this is kind of the time that they presumed that Darley was attempting to clean up the mess because it did seem like she had been, she had wiped up blood, or she had wiped up blood from in front of the sink, underneath the sink. And there was this whole thing about a vacuum cleaner that had been pulled out after the blood was on the ground because there were vacuum, like the wheel, there were, tracks. there were tracks on the ground. So it seemed like she had pulled out a vacuum in attempt to clean it up. That's, yeah, that's bizarre. The final nail in the coffin was the blood spatter on the shirt that she had been wearing. It came from somebody that was, you know, essentially stabbing somebody and pulling their arm behind their head um, in order to stab. It was all starting to become clear that there was, in fact, no intruder at all. And Darley had killed her children. Just Darley? Just Darley. Four days after the Silly String video was released, Darley was officially charged with capital murder for her middle son, Devin. Not only would this 
make it a capital murder case because of the age of her son. But prosecutors also wanted to make sure that if this first trial failed, they would be able to prosecute her again for the murder of her son, Damon. The prosecution started by making a case against Darley, um, and they portrayed her as a, quote, materialistic woman who couldn't cope with the mounting debt and loss of her affluent lifestyle. They said that the reason she had killed her children was because of the money issues that the family had been facing. And I found somewhere that people believed that she had killed her sons for a $5,000 insurance payout. 5000 5000 Which, if she's living an affluent lifestyle, I'm not even sure she would have thought $5,000 was more than pocket change. Yeah. Based on the evidence, especially the blood spatter on her shirt... And that silly string video. The jury found Darley guilty, and on February 4th, 1997, she was sentenced to death by lethal injection. But the story does not end here. To this day, Darley insists that she's innocent, and she's not the only one. In addition to the continued support of her now ex-husband, Darren, his family, there are many other members of the public that believe there were issues with both the investigation and the trial and believe that Darley have a second chance at freedom. In a recent 2020 documentary, which aired in March of 2019, Darley says, I cannot actually believe they're doing this to me when I didn't do this. I didn't kill Devin and Damon. Most of the scrutiny from the case is around the bloody sock that was found 75 yards from the family's home, as well as a fingerprint found in the dining room. And I'll be completely honest, I only found mention of this fingerprint a couple times. It was not mentioned in the Forensic Files episode, and it was not mentioned in a lot of the articles that I read about the evidence. It was only in a couple articles, um, which I definitely find interesting. So... We're going to start to kind of get into these little nitty gritty things so that we can kind of come up with our own opinion of what happened. The pathologist believed that after the attack on Damon, he would have only been able to survive for nine minutes. The 911 call lasted six minutes. Remember, no cell phones here. So this this phone call, the 911 call was made from her home phone and help arrived one minute after the call ended. This would only leave Darley two minutes to slit the window, run 75 yards to leave the sock, run back 75 yards, cut herself over the sink, and clean up the house. How long do you think it takes to run 75 yards? A lot longer than two minutes. Right. So, But 150 yards. Yeah, one there, one back. Clean up the house and... Because Damon was still alive when... Actually, it probably doesn't take that long to run. But But I think... Still, all all of that she had to do in two minutes, there's no way. No way. So this is where, you know, questions really start to pop up. Again. um, Damon was alive when they got there, right? Damon was alive, but So they know it was still with... It was still within within nine minutes minutes of him originally being attacked. Okay. Well, she could have planned, she could have like done something with the sock after, or was the sock found on the same day? Sock was found on the same day, but she could have killed Devin and then come back and killed after the sock and killed and attacked Damon. 
how, how bloody was the sock? Because, I mean, she could have... Not like, very bloody. There were a couple spots of blood on the sock. So she could have done something, like, before, even. She could have. She could have left the sock there before, I guess. Darley's supporters also believe that the police and prosecutors manipulated the evidence to get Darley convicted. I found a website called fordarleyroutier.com, um, and it was initially set up with petitions to sign to get justice for Darley, as well as information claiming her innocence. As of 2000, the website had received over 7 million hits, which is a lot of hits. As of today, um, I think the hits really started in 2012, so there's obviously less. They don't count all of them. Um, But it is still very interesting. Um, So the next information that I have was all found on this website, which is her website, um, under the tab, Her Proof. Um, so obviously this is from Darlie's point of view, um, but the information is very interesting. So let's get into it. So like I said before, there were fingerprints found in the house. There were fingerprints and a palm print that were found in the home, as well as head and limb hair. Um, and they did not match any known person. So they tested these everywhere. And they did not match anybody. Another thought that is on this website is that there were actually two weapons used in this crime, which is something that you brought up earlier. There are two main reasons that they believe this. There were wounds that were too thin for the knife that they had found to have um, been used for this. So they, if you look at the knife, it is a huge knife, like one that you would not even notice for, but it is a really big knife. Um, And the wounds that they found were much thinner that could not possibly have been made by that knife. The second um, reason they believe that there were two weapons is because there is no blood from Damon on the knife found. But Damon was obviously injured with a knife. That's what that's my biggest thing is if where was his blood or where where's the other weapon? Exactly. Now, this might really surprise you. There were actually sightings of a person that matched Darley's description of the intruder only 10 minutes after the incident happened. People actually saw somebody matching this description in the neighborhood. What? Yes. But according to the website, they were not checked out or followed up on by the police. That seems like a pretty big... um... Oversight. Yeah. This website also claims that the blood spatter on Darlie's shirt actually did not match with her being the murderer. So I'm not really sure what that means, but it, it, it obviously means that they don't believe that the blood spatter is what the blood spatter analysis person said that it was. And to be completely honest, how many cases have we gone through where the blood spatter analysis person was not 100% truthful? But or that's, correct. That's true. So, I don't know. I but, feel like you got to follow up on all those leads, though, even if, like, you don't know which ones are the good ones and bad ones. Exactly. So I feel like, just because there was one bad one and they didn't follow up with it, was a pretty big mistake. Exactly. But there is more, if you could believe it. 
The police said that the wounds Darley sustained were self-inflicted and superficial. And they said this over and over and over again during the trial. Superficial, superficial, superficial. However, Darley's surgery cost over $12,000. So this is not a superficial cut. This is more than just a little cut. This was a deep cut that needed surgery. So... It cost $12,000 for her surgeries, but they only got $5,000 of that's the whole reason she did it. Exactly. I mean, that is one big thing. Why would they have done this if they were looking for money, if they were just going to end up being in debt because of medical bills? Yeah. But the other thing is, is, I mean, maybe she didn't realize that she was doing that much damage and that it would have caused or cost her that much money. Um, but they also found that a necklace that Darlie had been wearing was embedded in her injury and it had to be surgically removed. So my question is, they always say, you know, you have the ability to cut off your finger. It would be as easy as cutting a carrot, but you stop yourself from doing it. Could you slice your neck to the point where there is a necklace literally embedded into your neck and do it willingly and knowingly? Yeah. In the in the span of two minutes? Yeah, I don't know about that. The website mentions yeah. that paramedics were delayed in assisting Damon. Um, and I don't know if this is 100% true, but remember how we talked about how Darren had to give his son CPR? Yeah. Why was Darren doing it? Why wasn't weren't the paramedics doing it? Yeah, that's what I was thinking earlier. If EMT was there, then like that's what they're specifically there for. There's no reason. I don't know. I that that just confuses me. Um, and then remember the evidence about the the screen and the knife. Yeah, that evidence um, was actually impeached, so it's no longer relevant in the case. A lot of her supporters talk about the trial and they talk about the Fifth Amendment. Um, for example, Darley agreed to waive her Fifth, Fifth Amendment right to talk to police um, so that they could find the murderer um, in her case. She wanted the case solved. Um, however, during the trial, investigators pleaded the Fifth during cross examination. So in the website, they say, Who's trying to hide something? Is yeah. it the investigators or is it Darley? Hmm. I, yeah. Darren, this is something that I found in a different article, not in this website, but Darren admitted that he had considered an insurance scam and had gone as far as to contact Darley's stepfather about contra- uh, contacting someone who could fake a break-in and a burglary. Um. So I don't know. I mean, there are a lot of different ideas about this case. And to be completely honest, when I first watched this case, I thought Darlie was 100% absolutely guilty, but I don't know. Now, as of um, March 6th, 2019, the Innocence Project is now involved in her case um, and they're bringing more things to light um, and trying to, you know, see what really happened. Um, in 2008, Darley was granted a renewal DNA test. However, as of today, nothing has come of it. And I think that it's because she actually has to 
pay for it. Mm. I'm not 100% sure about that. Probably. Um, But it's very interesting. And, you know, I don't know. A a lot of people believe that if this Silly String video had not come out, um, Darlie would have had a completely different trial and she might have been free today. So I'd love to get your opinion, you guys, and what you think of this case. Because like I said, I had only ever watched this forensic file case. And maybe, uh, maybe, I don't know. I think I've seen something else on it. But it's definitely uh, a tough one. It's it's for me. Yeah. Definitely tough. I don't know. I also read somewhere, and this is just in a comment underneath an article, so this is not backed up by any evidence whatsoever. Um, but a lot of people think that Darren was actually the one that tried to kill um his whole family, actually, Devin, Damon, and Darley, um, for a five hundred thousand five hundred thousand dollar insurance payout. Which would make more sense than Darley doing it for a five hundred thousand or five thousand dollars. Yeah. Darley Vertier is now fifty-nine, sitting on death row in Texas. No date has been scheduled yet for her execution. Um, I will post pictures of her and the family and everything on our Instagram. I also have the blog up with photos and links to the videos and resources I used. Um, I read somewhere that she does five hundred sit-ups a day. Whoa. I'm not even sure I can do five sit-ups right now. Um, And one last thing that I think is kind of interesting is that I found a lot of articles that were commenting on the way that she looks now versus how she looked during the trial. Um, You'll see in the pictures that she's platinum blonde. um, She wears a lot of jewelry, et cetera, et cetera. Now in prison, she's brunette. She's obviously not wearing her diamond jewelry. And I thought that it was really interesting that they made such a big, um, they talk so much about her appearance. And I think that they wonder if that played a part in her conviction as well. Um, that she seemed like just this beautiful housewife that was used to this affluent lifestyle. Um, so yeah, I'd love to know you, your opinion and what you guys think. Please comment on the Instagram post and on my blog. And we will see you next week. See you guys next week. Hope Now, if you guys have stuck through this whole episode, I have a really, really, really exciting announcement. I am headed to New York tomorrow, and on Thursday, I will be going to the world premiere of Forensic Files 2. I will hopefully be able to bring you guys along. I will be Instagram living or Instagram storying (laughs) um, so that you guys can see what is happening. If I can't do that, I will be posting Instagram pictures so you guys can be there with me. All right. Bye.